Evolution. Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is Thursday, July 17th, 2008. The journey of life leads us upon a path of experiences that lead us to the eternal truth, love, light, joy, and abundance. Only if we allow the flow to carry us as the divine light beings each of us truly is. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. I am a metaphysician, clairvoyant and clairaudient intuitive, writer, public speaker, PR and marketer, personal advisor to visionaries, leader and spiritual teacher. Please explore more on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com or at www.dulcineasdivinevision.com. Thank you for joining the show this evening, wherever you may be listening. Tonight on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Marsha Scarborough, author of Medicine Dance, One Woman's Healing Journey into the World of Native American Sweat Lodges, Drumming Meditations, and Dance Fasts, has created a masterpiece that has landed itself as a finalist in USA Book News National 2007 Best Books Awards in the New Age Nonfiction category. Marsha is a freelance journalist who has had over 75 articles published in national magazines and wrote, produced, and directed the award-winning children's video, The Magic of Martial Arts. As a graduate of the Directors Guild of America's prestigious Assistant Directors Training Program, Marsha spent 17 years scheduling, planning, and running the sets of major feature films, primetime television series, movies of the week, and network sitcoms. Marsha has traveled with Buddhist teacher Joan Halifax, danced with movement guru Gabrielle Ross, earned a brown belt in karate from the martial arts legend Tak Kubota, participated in healing ceremonies with Native American mystic Beautiful Painted Arrow, Joseph Rael, and produced workshops for a Nigerian master drummer, Yoruba ceremonial leader. During the next hour, Marsha and me will delve into her fascinating and empowering story of overcoming health obstacles as she used alternative treatments that focused in the trinity of the mind, body, and spirit based in the Native American culture tradition. Marsha, what is your most memorable moment during your healing experience where you felt or knew inside that you would overcome and share the strength and courage with others as you have in your most phenomenal book, Medicine Dance? Well, Dulcinea, um, for one thing, thank you for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be chatting with you. And there were many memorable moments throughout the whole adventure, and the adventure continues, and there continues to be memorable moments. And um, one of the very most powerful for me is happening now, after the book is published, that as it's being discovered by people, I'm getting email from people that I don't know about how the book has inspired and helped them. And um, just a couple weeks ago, I got one from uh, a woman who says, I discovered your book in a spiritual bookstore that I frequent in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada, which is, number one, amazing to me that it's even in a bookstore there. And then uh, she was, I was immediately drawn to your book, and I thank the goddesses and gods for leading me to it. I am receiving treatment for inflammatory breast cancer. And then she writes a very thoughtful and touching 
letter about um, how the book is inspiring her in her journey and, you know, where she is in her journey and how she hopes to go on to help people. So if it has this sort of ripple effect, if it's a small pebble in a pond that reaches people who are working with their own healing and helps them in some ways, that's a huge memorable moment to me, and it's really more than I even ever hope to accomplish. Wow, how powerful. So your own journey of overcoming and learning how to embrace your challenges and become neutral to your emotions is really coming back through validation of others who are finding that mere effect from your experience in their own lives. Yeah, it's, it's right. And uh, I, I, I'm just amazed. That is so exciting. It, and it is. It's a great analogy you use of the ripple effect on the pond. It, we are all one. And when we create that wave of energy, it, it does flow into others. And as I was writing the book, you know, it was very much just a personal story. It's just about me and my uh, healing journey. And I didn't know if anybody would relate to it. And, and in fact, it was a, a rather long and arduous path to get it published. And it's interesting how readers are responding to it uh, with much more enthusiasm than publishers did. Certainly, certainly. And I think it's because you really do a great job in bringing your story to life in the book, The Medicine Dance. You really bring your story to life and you allow people to see your human side. You reveal your human nature, your human, your humanness, your vulnerabilities, your judgments, your attitudes, your, you know, your lens of the world. And then you humble yourself to bring in the spiritual truth that you're lacking that's created your current scenario. So you really give people permission to look at their own life and the flaws or the challenges or whatever may not be ideal and allow them to embrace them with humor and lightheartedness. It's really a book that offers more validation and permission than than many books that I've read recently. And I really found that it's powerful for men, it's powerful for women, it shows the life journey, and it offers tools, particularly humor, lightheartedness, attitude, and perception, to really overcome any obstacle that may be presented in one's path. So I, I think you did a phenomenal job with that, and I think the readers can just really relate to that. So that really is a phenomenal thing to hear that readers are responding in a bright light. Well, uh, thank you, and uh, you know, I liked it when you said that masterpiece thing because I don't think anybody said that before. So, um, thanks for that. Uh, and you know, I'm a very ordinary person. I'm not an expert in anything. I'm not an anthropologist. I'm not a spiritual guru. I'm, you know, very ordinary. And so that's the perspective of the journey. It's just me learning what I can learn and. Very personal, and some of the other people who were involved in the story would probably tell the story in a completely different way. So let's start with what really led you in your life to seek out Native American shamanic treatment. What were you experiencing in your world that led you to this search? I was experiencing a very difficult time in my life where everything was going wrong in a whole cascading series. I think like Pema Chodron says, when things fall apart and everything was falling apart, uh, my uh, parents uh, were both dying and did did die. They were elderly. My um, 18-year marriage was falling apart. 
I had a career in Hollywood in film production that was rapidly heading downhill, and I was not able to make the living I had been making, um, got fired from a job there. And then on top of all that, I had a bad mammogram. And when the bad mammogram comes back, they call you and say, okay, we need to do another one. And you say, okay, I'll come in right away. And, and they say, well, you know, you really can't get an appointment for two weeks. And then you say, okay, okay, okay. You go in in two weeks, you have it, and they say, well, you know, it's not conclusive, and we're going to have to have a special radiologist look at it. Okay, okay, I'll, you know, no, we, well, we can't make an appointment with him for two weeks. And so then you wait two weeks, and you see him, and then he says, well, you know, I'm really going to need an ultrasound. Can't get it for two weeks. And so you're, for me, I was going insane, feeling powerless, feeling like, you know, Scared? Is there something cancer inside me that's getting worse by the day that I'm not doing anything about and feeling like there's nothing I can do about it? And in that period, a friend called me and said, you know, there's this Native American medicine man in town doing private healings. And I was just like, sign me up. I'll try anything. It's something I can do. So I don't know if I sought it out so much as it appeared in my path at a time when I really needed something and I was willing to try it. Wow, wow. So it was it was something maybe that was unconscious that you had beckoned to heal yourself, a, an awakening, a reminder of the ability to heal yourself. Could be. And Very then when I, I had that private healing uh, with Joseph Rael, Beautiful Painted Arrow, the results were so amazing that I, then I was really hooked and really interested, and the universe conspired to draw me in little by little, deeper and deeper, into learning these ancient techniques. And in the ancient techniques that you were grasping, how did they assist you in facing, releasing, and healing the thoughts and emotions that you were experiencing during your ill health? Well... They have many powerful techniques, and I don't even know for sure how ill my health was. Um, you know, maybe I w- maybe there was never anything that wrong, or maybe it was all on an emotional or mental or psychological level or spiritual level. Uh, the brilliant thing about these techniques is they address all those levels, mental, emotional, physical, and psychological, at once as as one problem. So um, I think that's why it's so effective. But also, um, you know, they're they're not separated out into a quote, like ill health. It's all one thing. So the first, one of the first things um, was this private healing he did, which had to do with um, what now I know is energy healing. At that time, I was not familiar with any of this type of thing and uh, some ritual and ceremonial work for me to work with the spirit of my dead mother calling my mother back to assist me from the other side which you know was pretty trippy and a little outside my comfort zone but at that point I was he what he had shown me was pretty amazing and I was willing to try um, various things the next thing that was really powerful for me was the sweat lodge, which I highly recommend to anybody at any time as a, a great uh, healing tool. 
then there were Drum Journey, where you trance to the drum beat and uh, journey to non-ordinary realities to look for healing and guidance there. And then the Marathon Dance Fasts, where you go out in a group and uh, in silence, except for drumming, spend three or four days just dancing and fasting. So how has all these experiences changed your life? Well, for the better. And I I think now um, I'm a lot happier. I'm much less controlled by the issues that used to control me. So not that they're completely gone, but I'm in charge now, and I don't go into reactivity about things. And I'm not always totally happy. I experience whatever emotion is appropriate for what's happening, which could be sadness, which could be anger, um, or even depression, but it will flow through me because I am not the emotion. I am the hollow bone that the emotion passes through. So I experience all of life, and I attach to none of it. So it's actually a pretty Buddhist idea. Would you say that you view life through rose-colored glasses? No, I think I view uh, life from an authentic emotional place. I think I view um, life with honesty and with courage and with a sense of power that I'm going to be all right. That's a very important thing, that really knowing within deep inside there's a power within you that can help you to sustain through anything and that you have the tools within you. There are divinely inherent tools that can help you to become neutral to emotion versus identifying with the emotion and going on the roller coaster with it. It's as if you can observe the the emotional experience. Is that what you're saying? Yes, and I think that the the brilliance of these techniques is that they are tools because before I had started on this this shamanic path, I had done quite a bit of psychotherapy, talking therapy, marriage counseling. And from that, which I think was very helpful in uh, helping me to understand my issues, it was like I kind of knew uh, that I was screwed up, why I was screwed up, but they didn't, it, that, past didn't seem to offer any tools for changing it. And I really wanted to change that. And that was what the shamanic path offered that, you know, really drew me in. And that's that's really the, the important element within us is just really finding peace within what we're being offered by the universe and receiving it. And it's just as if it was the time for you, for your spirit to awaken to the knock to remember the truth of who you are as an eternal being of divine joy, love, light, and essence versus being a part of the worldly experience, whether it be you know you lost your job and identifying with that or a failing marriage or whatever the worldly circumstances might be, really learning to shift your perception that you are not those experiences, that you are eternally divine, and that those experiences are simply a mirror to teach you and remind you of the truth of who you are. And I think in the book Medicine Dance, you do an amazing job at really allowing people to be in that human experience, but giving them permission to seek that higher understanding. With humor, too. (laughs) 
Well, you know, and and the experiences uh, don't necessarily go away. It's not like I've won the lottery and found Prince Charming. But my perception and my uh, ability to move through those experiences is what has really changed. And my um, uh, uh, now that I can look at those experiences and see what is valuable in them for me as as my teachers, that the experiences themselves now become my teachers rather than the obstacle to me being happy. Beautiful. It was definitely a shift in your perception. Exactly. Wonderful. So in your experience of the dance, you had mentioned that your dream space had would shift. And I'm wondering... In your experience, how or why does the dream space shift when you do the medicine dance? Maybe a little bit prior, during, and then following. Is it the shift in energy? Is it the awakening? What was your experience? Okay, that's a a very good question. And let me preface that with a part of the shamanic work, as I learned it, is about the dream time. And we were required to keep a journal of all of our dreams and um, the the non-ordinary reality of the dream state is not considered less real than the waking reality that we're in. And the non-ordinary reality of the journey state is also not considered less real. So there's no hierarchy of reality among these different um, states. So the, the dream state or non-ordinary reality state that surrounds the work of the dance um, part of it, I think, is that, okay, so the veil between realities gets thinner during the dance. And in the days leading up to the dance, once you've committed to do the dance, it begins to thin. And it's thinnest during the dance, and then it's thin after the dance, and then gradually over about three weeks, then it returns to uh, the the state where it was before before the dance. So it's a it's maybe perhaps your ability to move between realities becomes more facile during that time maybe an energetic shift maybe just your your willingness to uh to enter the trance state and especially after you've done it a couple of times and you're more familiar with what that is so it's a, probably an energetic shift. In uh, Joseph's books, okay, Joseph Rael has uh, several books that you can get through his publisher, Council Oaks Books. You can go to his website, josephrael.com, and they're also on Amazon. But in his book, Being in Vibration, he talks about how the the fasting of the dance, which is fasting food and water, actually creates a cellular change in the body a uh, chemical change in the body that um, allows the uh, spirit and the mind to make quantum leaps. So there's a change in the ratio of salt and sugar, um, and this facilitates some kind of a cellular change. Now, that's a little over my head and a little beyond my my esoteric uh, understanding, but... Uh, I think you might know more about that part of it. Sure, you know, and what I um I looked at that when I was reading the book and prior to us talking today, 
And what they showed me is that because we are eternally light beings, they kept showing me that our cells ultimately are derived from the source of light. And when we remove all of the worldly toxins, they restore to that energetic vibration of pure light. So that would explain the salt and sugar shifting, allowing quantum leaps to occur because light travels faster than anything. And then part of um, the metaphysics of this, according to uh, Joseph, is that everything is really made of vibration. And quantum physics is now showing that, that that is probably true through string theory and all that, that you know atoms are not solid. They're electrons and protons and neutrons vibrating at different rates, of you know, which makes things more or less dense. So if everything is only vibration, everything is really only energy moving. And in Joseph's language, Tiwa, the language of Picaris Pueblo and Taos Pueblo, um, there are no nouns. There are only verbs. So there's no dulcinea. There is only energy in the process of dulcinea-ing. So because of that, once you um, get the vibration of the drumming going, it realigns all of the vibration that makes up us, all of the energy that makes up us. So that's another uh, thing that's going on that's causing these uh, shifts in your being. And, you know, in the shifts, when you shift, are you releasing the control, the fear thoughts and the fear energy that are uh, driving the control behavior or the limiting behavior? Well, the thing that really uh, releases the fear energy is that this stuff is really scary, a lot of it. Uh, the sweat lodge is dark, it's hot, it's claustrophobic, and the first time I did it, I thought I was going to die. And a lot of people have that. But but the fact that you make it through that and you don't die releases a certain level of fear. Now, you don't have to be afraid of that. And the same with the dances. Because you're fasting food and water, three days without water really puts you up against the edge of death. And you're pretty close. You can pretty much see through that door. And when I looked through it, what I saw was really peaceful and simple. And I had the sense that it would be just like really easy to step through there and almost go on vacation. Mm. So once that happens, then okay, the whole idea of being afraid of death goes away. So, you know, now what do you really have to be afraid of? It seems as if these Native American traditions or ceremonies based on the traditions really take us to our greatest human fear, which would be death, the release of the physical body and the physical mind. So when you encounter that in some sort of ceremony or spirit with spiritual intentions, it allows for one to look beyond the veil. And it's not like you're not fearful. I mean, it's. I think the fact that you are fearful and you allow that experience of to you allow yourself to experience that fully that puts you then beyond fear so it's not about pushing fear away it's about embracing fear until you know it's your friend and you've passed through it to the other side yes it's turning from the fear to the love and one of the uh, philosophical points that 
Joseph made really clearly with me was uh, he said, every time you're going to make a decision or take an action, stop and ask yourself, are you making this decision from fear and separation or from love? And if it's from fear and separation, don't do it. Don't don't even make the decision. Better to take no action. Yes, I have that quote highlighted. I hear it says here, just remember it all boils down to one lesson. Before you make a decision or take an action, ask yourself this. Is is what I'm about to do going to create fear and separation or love? If the answer is fear and separation, don't do it. Never take an action or make a decision from a place of fear. It's better not to do anything at all than to act out of fear. And you responded with, that's so simple. <laughs> and it's so simple. And once you, you have that idea, it makes, you know, moving through all the complicated choices of life, you know, very easy. It's it's like, am I going to take this job because I think I need the money and I'm going to starve to death? Or, you know, am I, am I going to hook up with this uh, man because I don't want to be alone? Well, that's fear. That's not love. So yes. it's just like a really easy sorting device. That is so true. And you know where I, I was first brought those principles up for myself, and my and my journey was A Course in Miracles. And it came through the book um, Teach Only Love by Gerald Jampolsky, and he just said, your choice is either based in fear and separation or love and unity. You choose. Mm-hmm. And I thought, ooh, that's empowering. <laughs> Let me ponder on that for a few years. <laughs> and, and that and that was really how I, I started that, um, un- or brought in that understanding for myself. And it really doesn't matter where you get it from, whether it's the Native Americans, the Course in Miracles, the Kabbalah, as long as you remember that truth. And one of the steps I think that you have to go to to be able to get to the point to actually apply that in your life is I think you have to attain a certain level of self-esteem because when you don't have that, then you're really kind of working from a defensive posture of you know trying to justify and feel better about yourself and not be wrong and all these things. And the things like the sweat lodge and the dances where it's something that's actually really difficult and there's a good chance that you may not be able to make it through that when you do make it through, you've done this this hard thing, and you feel better about yourself. You feel good about yourself, and I think that you know has the effect of boosting your self esteem, which ultimately gets you to that place where you can calmly say, "Wait, is this fear or is this love?" Very, very, very true. And you know, it's like my indicator for myself is when I have peace, it's love driving the decision. When I am not in peace, it's fear. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's my internal cue. So speaking of fear and love, how does positive energy protect and promote our health, and how does negative energy contribute to sickness and a lack of health? And you can focus on either one. Just I wanted to open the idea that positive energy can really help protect and promote our well-being, and negative energy can really detriment our well-being. Well, going back to the metaphysics of everything being vibration, so, you know, there, uh, energy is moving at these different vibrational rates. And um, the theory is pretty much the same thing as law of attraction, that, um, you know, vibration attracts a similar vibration. So once you start going into negativity and 
everything that's wrong and putting your attention on that, then you're changing your vibration on in that direction and it's attracting more of it and you're going to go into this downward spiral. So the more you can keep focused on the positive thing that's happening in your healing, the more you're going to attract more of that. And, you know, sometimes your life is like such a mess that the positive part is really small. But if you can hold your attention on that and keep bringing your attention back to that, it gives it a chance to, you know, start a vortex of spinning, of drawing in more. So it's it's a discipline um, of, you know, how you're vibrating. How are you vibrating? And I think that's a really important point. And I, I was hearing yesterday and thinking about the idea that, you know, energy really follows thought. So if thought is negative, energy follows that, and then there's a physiological cellular reaction that will actually respond to that negative energy. And if it's energy that follows a positive thought, again, there will be a cellular reaction about the positive energy. It will be like a spark of love or, you know, premium gas in our cells. (laughs) And I just think it's really important for people to become aware of the ability to heal ourselves and maintain our well-being from a mind, body, spirit level by being simply aware of the fact that energy does follow thought. So if, in fact, you want to create something positive in your life, create a positive thought and allow the energy to follow that. And sometimes and, it's it's really hard when we're involved with other people who are uh, you know, focused on negative, their negative vibration. And um, so sometimes I think it's, one of the difficult and kind of sad things is when you have to leave people that you love behind. But sometimes I think you do to really be able to get into a, a place where you can keep your energy flowing toward what's more positive. And I recently had a situation just uh, last week where I needed to go back and be with people that I have been with a few years ago and have moved on from. And I could just see how much my my vibration had changed from where they were. And it's like I don't I don't fit there anymore, and that was like really a kind of a, a revelation. Like, oh yeah, I'm I've I'm I don't even you know fit into this matrix now. I'm way over here, and I'm going to stay over here. You know. And you know, speaking of that, in the book, you the book also the book Medicine Dance. We're talking with Marcia Scarborough today this evening. Her book is Medicine Dance. You can find her on the web at www.medicinedancebook.com. Again, that's www.medicinedancebook.com. You can purchase her book through that website. There are a few links to Amazon.com or also obooks.com where you can go ahead and purchase that and explore her site. She has some great events and other information on her website. So speaking of growing apart from people, a lot of what I felt related to me in my life in this book is really the book really goes through the process of metamorphosis and transformation and paralysis and just really breaking through. And part of that is shedding old relationships and shedding past ideas and thoughts and you know perceptions and understandings of the world. And I really related personally being on a very spiritual journey within my own self and really looking for a spark of self-discovery at all possible avenues. I felt that it was very relatable to see you go through the the process with Phoebe 
and with other individuals in the book, but particularly for me, Phoebe was very relevant. It's like, okay, I have a 30-year friendship, and she's telling me she's never liked me. (laughs) (laughs) What do I do with that kind of information? And, you know, interestingly for me, that's that's I'm I'm paralleling that experience in my life right now as I as I look oh. at it and it's it's really really powerful and I think for me it helped me think okay wow I can go through this process without guilt well it's a wow somebody else went through this in their process and it was a 30 year friendship and you know it, it was okay at all in the end it, it was really okay to not judge her and to allow that separation to flow. And so I think that that was another part of the book where readers can really grab the book and relate to their own understanding and awareness that it's okay to release things that you've been comfortable with your whole whole lifetime, whether it's a friendship, a relationship, an idea of how you view the world, a control energy. And and so I wanted to ask you, how how was that process of embracing those changes with your relationships and dynamics in your life how did you maneuver through that so positively? Well, it's good to hear you say that I maneuvered through it so positively because I'm <laughs> I'm not so sure that I always did. And it's painful, and it's always very painful because we love these people that we've been with for a long time. And for me, I think there's something in there where I want to help them heal. I want to heal them or you know, show them how I'm healing and have them sort of join me in the party and the process of it. And it doesn't always work for them. And I, you know, and that is hard to see and hard to deal with. But one of the things I learned through the whole process uh, described in, in medicine dance is that we really don't heal somebody else. We may be able to show them some tools that they could use to help heal themselves but each of us only can do our own healing work. So if they are not ready to step up to the plate and do it, then we we really are not of help to them, and we need to let them go and move on with our own work. And it's just hard to see that. It's hard to to say goodbye to people we love and move on. But once you do it, then you take an exponential leap forward, and I think you really see how their energy was holding you back in a way. Your concern for them, your desire to heal them was really interfering with your own process. And um, I think you have to do it a couple of times before you, you're you able to see that it's actually benefiting them for you to leave them behind. Yes, and that, you know, in the book, again, you said it's it's okay to leave them behind. Maybe they just don't choose to want to step up or things of that nature, they're not ready to take that leap of, of faith or change. And I just found it was so amazing for for me to watch the strength that you had to just allow Phoebe to be so angry with you or to be whatever she was feeling toward you through through the change. I mean, this was your rock of 30 years that had to really hit you in your core and you had to let go of that the many fear pictures <laughs> to really mm-hmm. em- embrace that that change and that separation. So I just want to commend you on modeling that to other people that it's okay to stare someone in the face who's angry at you and allow them to be angry with you and not have to fix it or mend it or make it all better. Or make them wrong or or feel like you're wrong. Or right. <laughs> or right. 
and you know the it's the anger is energy flowing through and when it flows through me i try to keep in mind that it's okay for me to feel it it's not okay for me to use it as a weapon to beat somebody else up i i need to feel it and express it but in an arena where it's not abusive to someone else and that's part of the art and grace of it i think is having these arenas in your life like the sweat lodge or the martial arts dojo or the dance floor or you know lock yourself in the bedroom and beat up a pillow or something but don't take it out on somebody you love it's really not about them it's so true and you know in the book there was um a, a message that came through that was so powerful to me. It was in the in, in the beginning of the book. You were discussing um, it was your first experience with with your teacher with Joseph Rael, and he was working on your heart chakra. And you said, "I feel like my mom put this there." And he says, "Just think of it this way: you are your mother, and your mother is you. So there's no one to blame but yourself." And I thought, well, wow, that's a theory in unity. That's a really powerful statement of oneness when we want to turn to fear and blame others, whether it be Phoebe or anybody else in our life who doesn't want to go where we want to go or be who we want to be or experience life in the way that we want to experience life. By blaming them, we're actually in turn blaming ourselves. And then we all remain in fear. So I thought that was a really powerful lesson that he brought forth for you and for the reader to really realign with the truth that when we do turn to fear and we do blame others, we are in in fact turning on ourselves. And that he holds that mirror just like right up to your face. So, you know, there's, uh, whoa, yeah. And it's not even, you know, I don't even know if blaming yourself is the right terminology so much as taking responsibility that, you know, you create it even though the other person may trigger it, even though the other person may, may uh, you know, make you feel a certain way, you're responsible for your feelings. And, you know, half of that interaction was you. So the only thing you really control is your part of it. Your perception, that's your control, your response to the, to the situation is where we are empowered to make a choice of love mm-hmm. or fear. Love or fear, and what can we do about it to, you know, make ourselves more powerful and more in charge of it? Rather than, you know, if we have to have anything from the outside to make us happy, whether it's another person behaving a certain way or whether it's having a certain amount of money or fame or a certain car or whatever, whenever that thing goes away for whatever reason, then we're unhappy again. So if if we do that, all we've done is give our power away to something that's outside of ourselves that we don't control. Yes, that's a very good point. One of my great teachers, uh, he just gave a great lecture on that exact point, that when we choose to identify with anything other than our eternal certainty as a, as a being, our eternal essence, it will fail us, whether it be a relationship, a job, a marriage, a family, anything out of our inner self, if we, if we turn to that or choose to identify with that, it ultimately will let us down because it's other than the truth of who we are. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really, really powerful point just to really reiterate that point, that powerful point that you just made. 
And it goes to the quote that is presented in the book, The Medicine Dance, O man, heal thyself. And when I read that, I thought you are, my immediate thought was my own teaching with my clients, is you are your own best master, teacher, and healer. Look within. And I thought it was very powerful to really direct people back to themselves to solve the issue versus looking outside. And one of the things that uh, Joseph says is that, you know, in the old ancient days before, you know, when we were still living in uh, tribal clan type groups, every person was their own teacher, their own priest, their own doctor. And as, you know, the culture became more, quote, civilized and, you know, we moved into these wider cultural groupings, then, you know, we began to believe that we needed a doctor to heal ourselves. We needed a priest between us and and spirit. And, you know, we needed a, a teacher at the university before we could learn anything. And his point was that was the moment when we made those choices that we really gave up power. Authentic power. Mm-hmm. Authentic power. I think that is so true. So in the book medicine dance you discuss what a medicine man is according to you and i'd like you to give the audience a taste of what that is well there was some controversy early on about what what term i should use to describe beautiful painted arrow because i said medicine man and he refers to himself as a medicine man sometimes and that term is somewhat politically incorrect now because it's been scurrilously used by um, Hollywood and medicine shows and um, in, in some of the native cultures and other cultures it's, it's considered a little politically incorrect. Um, I also, you know, the term shaman was suggested, which I also think is a, is a little overused. A lot of people call themselves shamans that to me do not even come close to the level of training that Joseph and some other teachers I have, um, have had. I mean, they, this is a lifetime of training based on other lifetimes of training to, you know, be a, quote, shaman. Um, so I went back to the term medicine man because... The term medicine is used throughout this healing culture in the teaching of these techniques. Your personal medicine is what you are acquiring. That's your knowledge about healing. And your work is the the training and um, extended meditations that bring this, quote, medicine to you that you can share uh these techniques with other people. So to me, you know, just medicine man or medicine person is the most appropriate term. So Wonderful. Yeah, I just thought that was a very interesting point how you um Joseph Rael throughout the book, you you go to mention just the, the terminology like using which words would really describe what he was, like for instance, call, he calls himself a mystic visionary and healer but he doesn't want to be called necessarily a shaman or a medicine man because what he's doing is taking traditional ideas of healing and merging them with contemporary understanding. Exactly, and he's very clear about that. He does not call himself traditional. 
um, because of that. He had a vision that the teachings need to be shared with the white people because the white people are the ones doing the damage to the earth. And if they don't get it, pretty much we're all toast. And that's controversial within the Native community. A lot of uh, uh, Natives feel that the teachings should not be shared outside of their own cultures. And I have a lot of respect for that. And I think that you know they are right in a certain way. And certainly their anger about being ripped off of everything is appropriate. And I think that they have a, you know, a right to be concerned that, that this could happen um, with the teachings as well. I had to follow my own guidance, and Joseph followed his own guidance. And uh, I'm noticing now that more and more of the Native people are beginning to share with the uh, other cultures. I think maybe this is the time now where that can shift and happen. Certainly, and you know, it doesn't matter which philosophy people choose to adhere to, as long as it rings with the truth in their heart, then it can evoke truth. Exactly. You know, how was it for you to find a spiritual teacher on your path that just did not give up on you and taught you not to give up on yourself? What a privilege and what an honor. I wanted to know, how was that for you at such an an amazing transformation time in your life? It was an incredible gift, and I was very, very lucky to find Joseph Rael and to find him at a time when he had time and energy to spend with uh, me and and people like me. He's retired now, and he's um, become a a recluse and is not working with the public, uh, you know, healing or teaching or leading dances anymore. He He does have a book coming out this fall that's going to be called Sound, Peace, Power, the Mystery School of Joseph Rael. It's going to have a CD in it, so you can hear his voice chanting some of these things and some of his um, drawings that are illustrations that are portals to other realities will be in the book as well. But, um, you know, that's one of the reasons I wrote the book because I felt like I struck it so rich. I hit it so lucky to kind of stumble on Joseph Rael at a time when he was available for teaching at a time when I was ready to learn, and I'm I'm a person who's always full of questions. I mean, I think that comes out in the book. I'm skeptical. I'm curious. I keep asking, well, what about this? What about that? And he really put up with that, and you know, offered offered me a tremendous amount. So, you know, I have a certain uh, joy in sharing that because not everybody is going to get that chance. Very, very true. We're speaking with Marcia Scarborough, author of Medicine Dance. You can find her on the web at www.medicinedancebook.com. She had an amazing life journey and really overcame her own obstacles and learned to, or remembered, better yet, to heal her herself, her body, her mind, body, and spirit, and overcome some physical ailments by really delving into the Native American shamanic realm and attended some sweat lodges, meditations, dance fast, and really takes us on a life journey of facing reality and becoming accountable for the choices that she creates in her life and really takes us through the journey with humor, commitment, 
a very humble element and very authentic. The, the energy of this book is phenomenal. So I recommend everybody go on our website at www.medicinedancebook.com. Please explore. She'll be having some upcoming events. You can meet up with Marsha in Santa Fe on July 20th at the African American Dance Ceremony. On July 30th, she'll have another internet radio show, Voices of the Sacred Feminine, at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. In San Rafael, California, on August 30th, September 1st, there's the 25th Annual International Conference on Shamanism and Alternative Modes of Healing. San Rafael is one of my most favorite places in the Bay Area and in Northern California. Marin County is number one. <laughs> so I must put that little plug in there. That would be a great place to visit. Meet up with Marsha. On September 5th, she'll be in Seattle, Washington at 7.30 p.m. with a medicine dance workshop at the East West Bookshop. And on September 13th in Vancouver, Canada at 2.30 p.m. at Banyan Books and Sound for a reading and book signing for the Medicine Dance. So those are some of her upcoming events and opportunities to connect with her. You can also find more on her website. Again, that was www.medicinedancebook.com. And you can look under her events section within her website. Of course, you can also find all of her her information on evolutionrevolutionradio.com as well. So Marsha, what a wonderful opportunity for you to really align yourself with your higher self and really take an authentic path in this life experience with your creation of the medicine dance. I just want to commend you for really sharing so vulnerably with so many others your willingness to delve into the cross-cultural boundaries to find your own truth and remember that you are your own best master teacher and healer. Well, thank you. Um, you know, it's been really a great adventure and it continues, um, you know, ongoing. There'll be another book uh, in a year or so, I think, that's about my adventures with the West African teacher. Um, and, uh, you know, it keeps going. Yes, yes, it is a never-ending journey. It's an infinite, eternal journey. But while you're here as Marsha in, <laughs> in this... Marsha Ng. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can really just um, offer us some wisdom and insight from your own story and process of self-realization, revel- revelations, freedom, and really reconnecting with the source of all creation to remember the power and the divine light of your being. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's a, it's a gift to us all. So I'm really excited. So you also offer readings, lectures, and workshops, so people can connect with you those ways as well. Yes, and if you're uh, you know interested in uh, booking any of that, just contact me through the email on the website, and my phone numbers are there. Uh, MedicineDanceBook.com. Uh, the uh, there's going to be a medicine dancing workshop up in Vancouver uh, at some point too. We haven't exactly nailed down where that is. I'm Still available for events in the Seattle area in September. I'll be going to Crohn's Council there also, which if if you're a woman over 50, it's a trip. You should check that out, and that's at Crohn'sCouncil.org. Um, and the Shamanism Conference in San Rafael is open for all for people to attend, and it's a, a wonderful conference. It was originally started by this woman, uh, Ruth Inga Hines, who made her transition a, a year ago, but the conference is going on and all kinds of interesting 
experts in alternative modes of healing are are there presenting and exchanging. Um, so, yeah, call me, write me, and I'd be love to come and speak or teach or read from the book. Wonderful. So, you know, I must ask, tell me a little bit about the miracle of hummingbirds because for me in my own experience, I've um, when I was in biology, I'll give you just a little background. When I was in biology studying, you know, all the things we study in biology, we learned about hummingbirds and how in physiology we learned that they have the highest metabolic rate of any living bird family, mammal, whatever species, and the details, right? And so I was just so enthralled, and I thought, I wonder why they vibrate so high. Well, then as I transitioned into social psychology and got my second awakening, I began to see hummingbirds, and I would just see spirits around them. And I thought, now that's a really odd thing. I don't want to tell any of my molecular bio researchers (laughs) around me what's happening to me, but this is really, really interesting. So then... A couple, I don't know, maybe a year or two later, I asked my mom, so when you die, what do you want me to know you as? And she looked at me like, you are the weirdest kid. How about a butterfly? <laughs> and I thought, okay, great. I'm glad we made this deal. So if, in fact, you know, you choose to go back to spirit, I'll know that I see you when you're a butterfly. So then I asked my grandma, so grandma, when you die, what do you want me to know you as? And she looked at me, she goes, mija, she's Hispanic. She goes, I love hummingbirds. Do you see all around my garden? She pointed out. She goes, I have hummingbird feeders, hummingbirds. And I go, okay. So about two years later, my grandmother decides that she's ready to transition and she's also created cancer for herself, but chose to opt out that way. And she died, and within 30 seconds of her leaving her body on a Saturday night, a knock was at the front door, and it was her. And there was nobody at the door, obviously. It was her spirit knocking, so we answered the door, and we knew. And within two to three days, a hummingbird's nest came out in front in the patio area there. And since then, which has been about a year, a year and a half now, hummingbirds just flock that little area. And so for me, hummingbirds are a connection to the higher frequencies of spirit, and they're often spirits who want to make connections with people on earth. And so I wanted to find out and share your experience with hummingbirds with others because that was something that really hit home with me from the book as well. Well, you know, maybe because, yeah, in the book, my uh, mother comes to me as a hummingbird, and I think maybe because their frequency, their vibration is so high, maybe they can create little tunnels back and forth between... Yes. The spirit world and our world, and yes. just like zoom, you know, zoom in and out. Yes, and, that's what it be. And I now I have like whenever I um, am wanting a, a confirmation on something, or you know, am I making the right choice or something like that? Then the hummingbird just comes right, you know, disappears. Yes, yes, yes. Just like the yes, go ahead. You know, I love it. I love signal. it. Isn't it so validating? Yeah. <laughs> And the thing, you know, that I say in the book that I the about the hummingbird that I got from her in Journey was that the, you know, they can go, uh, they can hover, they can just stay in one place, but they can also go backwards and forward. So it's like they don't take the straight line necessarily. They, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're kind of nonlinear in the way yes. they relate to the world. Multidimensional. Yeah, and I mean that's a good lesson for me because I, I there's a side of me that can be like just very organized and very detail oriented and very on linear <laughs> and linear, and so it's good for me to sometimes flit around and explore other things. So wonderful! Again, we're talking with Marcia Scarborough, author of Medicine Dance. You can find her on the web at www.medicinedancebook.com 
or at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. We are limitless spiritual beings on this earthly journey to learn, grow, evolve, expand, and face the aspects of who we are not, the illusions of fear, separation, loneliness, and all other fear-based emotions. As we encounter these fears, face them, they begin to dissolve, and we experience healing, spiritual growth, awareness, and another layer towards wholeness. Life is a process of healing, cycles, patterns, awareness, and the opportunity to choose and create your experience as you so desire. Empower yourself and those around you by choosing an authentic and masterful existence. You are your own best master, teacher, and healer. Next week, July 24th, please join me with the medium, intuitive, and human design analyst, Jana Hollingsworth, who will share her unique talents and offerings, and she will also talk about her burning question opportunities on her weekly medium column on the Internet. I look forward to you joining us. On July 31st, Chrissy Blaze and Gary Blaze will be appearing to discuss their wonderful book, Power Prayer, with the foreword written by Mary Ann Williamson. On August 7th, the most accurate medium, psychic, and enlightening author, Jock Brokus, with his powerful wisdom and professional expertise in a well-rounded, personal portrait emphasizing the importance of the intuitive gift in this modern-day existence that lies inherent deep within each human being in his latest book release, Powers of the Sixth Sense. On August 14th, Alan R. Sieri will be offering his practical and enriching book, Earth School 101, Who We Are, Where We Are, and Why We Are Here, with quotes from the Ascended Masters that line the pages, a must-read. On August 21st, Amiko Swami will be appearing with his latest book release, God is Not Dead, What Quantum Physics Tells Us About Our Origins and How We Should Live. Amit offers a balanced concept of life in both material and quantum worlds, fully maximize consciousness. He was featured in the popular quantum physics movie from 2005, What the Bleep Do We Know? On August 28th, Michelle Epiphany Prosser will help you to get in touch with the divine with a simple and profound approach in her book release, Excuse Me, Your God is Waiting. Michelle offers her teachings about optimizing the law of attraction through the power of prayer. On September 11th, Carol J. Obley will offer her deeply powerful book that gently gently reminds us that true love is eternal love. The barrier of physicality is an illusion in her compelling and true story that richly fill the pages in her latest book release, I'm Still With You, True Stories of Healing Grief Through Spirit Communication. On September 18th, Jocelyn Chaplin will be offering from the UK her highly integrated and deeply enlightening perspective in her book release, Deep Equality, Living in the Flow of Natural Rhythms. On October 16th, Robert Schwartz will be appearing with his wise and insightful perspective on pre-birth planning or a spirit's look at the events and people that one will experience during their human existence through revealing true stories and a strong emphasis on Robert's personal experience in the book release, Courageous Souls, Do We Plan Our Life Challenges Before Birth? You can purchase all of our authors and their books featured on Evolution Revolution at www.amazon.com or link up to their individual websites through the Evolution Revolution homepage at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Please join me in the upcoming weeks on the new revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution. Additionally, please explore the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors 
under the Evolution Revolution tab on the www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com website. You can listen in the blue talk shoe player box under Select a Past Episode, or you can download the audio files through the talk shoe link using iTunes and other programs. They are available 24 hours a day to listen, download, at no charge. The archives include amazing talent such as Evo Dominguez Jr., Michael Skorowski, Dr. Susan Carroll, Karen Sawyer, Dr. Daniel Condren, Dr. Laurel Clark, Gary Zukoff and Linda Francis, Dr. Adrian Windsor, Chrissy Blaze, Neil Donald Walsh, Taylor Wilshire, Dr. Barbara Condren, Jeff Brown, Anna Maria Hemingway, Charles Virtue, Michael Tamura, Marla Martinson, Michael Brown, Richard Blackstone, David Robert Ord, Megan Skinner, Dr. Lisa Love, Jennifer Weigel, Dr. Betty Youngs, Paula Marie Jackson, and myself. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. I am a metaphysical teacher, healer, and spiritual counselor who offers clairvoyant readings via phone, allowing me to connect with people anywhere. Please visit me on my newly created website at www.dulcineasdivinevision.com. There is a clairvoyant reading page on the website to explore, which includes testimonials from clients and my contact information. A divine and spiritually enlightening experience awaits you. Co-create with Evolution Revolution. We are seeking partners to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you are interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution, please explore the Radio Sponsors tab at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the grandest intentions. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution this evening with my honored guest, Marsha Scarborough. Thank you, Marsha, for being here. Dulcinea, it was such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, yes, and keep us in, in the loop with your next works and your next book and anything exciting. If you happen to be in the Southern California area, please connect with me. I'd love to meet up and experience a, a ceremony with you. <laughs> All right. I think that will probably be this winter. I will definitely okay, do good. that. Good, okay. let me know. <laughs> All right. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the new and revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish you all abundant peace, joy, miracles, and love today and always. Abundant angel blessings. Good night. Good night. <laughs>